We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Well, good morning and welcome to church. If you are joining us for the first time, my name is Chapman Laxton. I'm an associate pastor here at Christian Ministries Church and uh I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about what I, what I, what I want to talk about. I, uh, I feel like there's not really a whole lot of times I get up here and I'm not excited, but uh, I, I am. I'm very excited. And uh, it's because I believe that what I'm getting ready to talk about is something that has to do at the core of, of a lot of the issues that we deal with. Um, and it goes to the very core of who we are as people. Uh, everything that we do, whether for God or what goes against God's plan has to do with what we're talking about today and our understanding of it. So, with that being said, you guys go ahead and turn to Genesis 1.26, and let's get started. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be made in his image. Um, you know, wh- what does that mean when we read that God made us in his image? Especially when we, when we look around. Um, you know, I, I don't look like a lot of y'all. And y'all are probably thankful. Um, y- y'all don't look like me. We, we, don't, we don't look the same. So how, how can it be that we say that we were, that we were made in his image? Well, it's, it's the way in which God made us. God made us to be like him so that we can be in relationship with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, and to be able to communicate and go on a level that no other part of creation could. Um, and it's important that we understand this. Uh, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Now this is, this is really important. This is really key. And how many ways did God make them? There's two. There's two ways. There's two ways that God made us. And, and this is an important part for us to, to understand as his people. See, not, not just to talk about, oh, well, men are predominantly like this and women are predominantly like that. But we have to get that the way that God intended us to be made as, as male and female goes to the aspects of what we're getting ready to talk about a little bit deeper, but, but I want you to think about for just one second, and I'm going to get on a little soapbox here, but why society would have such a problem with this key point of information. Why would there be such, a, such an upheaval, such a problem? The reason why is because it goes to the very core of how God created us so that he could have a relationship with us. It, the reason why, and, and it's not that that's, the, that that's society's reason, but it's society who's under the scheme and the influence of our mortal enemy. It, the devil. The, the, the devil is, is out to push a propaganda that goes against this very fact because it goes to the very core of who we are as a people. And if we can't even get on board with how we've been made and been created as a reflection of God... Well, then everything else is up for grabs, too. 
if we can't even get on, 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 on firm ground of that, that's what the whole source of this gender dysphoria goes to. Well, what, how, did I, how was I made? Who am I? What, what really does that even mean? And the broad spectrum, everything, it, it's, it's an attempt to get us off of God made us male and God made us female. And, and I want you to see that in the totality of who God is, he's seen in both male and female. Now, now understand, God, God is, is masculine. All of those things are 100% true. However, there's parts of Scripture that if we read them and we understand them, we, we can't say, well, there's not a part of the female identity that is within God's nature. So let's look here. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child that she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Okay, I, us men... There's only so far we can go in that process of feeding babies, new babies. Thank the Lord. We can't get on that level of understanding what that bond is like between a mother and a child. I can love my girls, I can give them their bottle, and I can all that. But there's a point at which I'm out. Okay, y'all with me? God, God says... Even if that were possible, you've got to understand this is how I view you. I feel that love for you like a mother who, who's nursed their child. I feel that bond and that connection to you. Okay, another one. Isaiah 66, 13. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. We, we, all, we all know what it's like to have mama's love, right? Mom's love, it's, it's pretty nice, especially whenever you're the favorite. Rachel, can I get, no, I'm just kidding. Just teasing. Just joke. Just a joke. Lydia's in the house, so I'm just teasing. Okay? But we, we all know, we all know that, that love that we can get from mom that's different than the whatever we can get from dad, you know? It's just a different kind. What, what God's saying is, as a mother loves her child, so I will... And then one more time here, Luke 13, verse 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather you, your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. See, God has both masculine and feminine. We can go to the warrior stuff. We can go to, we're talking about uh, Jehovah Saba, the one who fights for. I mean, we, we get that part about God, but sometimes we forget the, the, the loving, the gentle. We, because we forget that God is seen in the totality of how he's made us as male and female. That, we were made in his image. We were made in his image, and it's not, you know, I forget, the men are from Jupiter or something and girls are from, yeah, whatever, that, that whole thing is. No, God intended us to be like this. And it's why he has it set up later on with, with marriage and how it's a, sim, a symbol of, of Christ's love for the church. And You were made with a very intricate design. But even still, deeper than this, there's a clear dividing of who we are within being male and female. And and. This goes back to Pastor Ashley talked about uh, heart expansion. And uh, there was just something that he said that just, whenever he was talking about the dividing between the soul and the spirit, but the, the dividing line between the heart and, and, and the, and the, 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 the bone and the marrow, 
This passage of Scripture just came up, and, and I want to read this to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Your whole spirit, soul, and body. You were made in his image as a three-part being. As a three-part being, male and female, we've been made in his image as a three-part being, and we've got to get an understanding of this. And we've got to grasp it because this is what allows us, when we begin to see and understand how we were made in God's image and and the role that that plays, we'll begin to understand our actions. We'll begin to understand why we're missing out on the peace why we're missing out on the authority, why we're missing, because we're, we're getting the way God's plan is and how he's made us, we're getting that out of whack, and we're, and we're missing the progression we, we would have. See, I, I want to liken it to this. We, we play a lot of games with, with our girls, and we used to play a game with Joan, but she didn't like to play it anymore because it's too easy for her, but we, so we play it with Olive a lot, and we ask her questions like, where's your nose? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to subject you guys to that because I feel, like we're all, I feel like we're all there, all right? Mine's pretty easy to find. I got a big one, okay? But we play this game of where are your eyes? Where's your ears? Where's your arm? And, and Olive goes down the list, and she, and she, she, she knows, she knows where, where everything is. And, and you think about that. Well, well, that's okay. That's cute. What's the, whenever something's hurt, how important is it? To be able to locate that something's wrong? How important is it? You're not going to do something to fix your arm if your legs hurt. If the problem's your toe, you're not going to go in to get your finger checked out. You're not, if something's wrong with you on one part, it's important for you to understand the way that you've been created so that you don't speak out in a different way. Y'all following me? When we're talking about how we were made and how we were made in his image as a three-part being, we have to understand the three different parts and how they go together because when we're dealing with other people and we see the way people are acting, well, my gosh, they just, they're terrible. I can't stand to be around them. You know? I, why would she do that? Why would he say that? I can't. She's so, he's so this, that. There's a problem. You're seeing an action and not understanding that in the flesh something's manifesting, but it's on a deeper level where the problem is. And you can't put a Band-Aid on it if you're not getting to the core. If someone's got a broken arm, a Band-Aid's not going to fix it. Something needs to be reset bound up, strengthened, let that heal, then the strength comes back. So we see and we get this process whenever we're talking about our physical being, but we have to know, do you know what that means that you're a three-part being? Do you get and do you grasp it? Because your enemy does. Your enemy knows you. Your enemy knows how you think. Your enemy knows how you feel. Your enemy knows how to get you with this because you don't think right on that. And you're a three-part being. 
And God made you in his image that way. See, your body is your external part, the outer organ. It's possessing a world consciousness, and it's so that we can make contact with this physical world. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was the word, became flesh, and he made contact with this physical world. He was visible, but within him was contained the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions of God, and the spirit, the Holy Spirit. Three-part being, you have a body. You have a soul. It's your mind, your will, and emotions, and Pastor Ashley preached on all this. But your soul is the difference between and the medium between your spirit and your body. It's what gives you your personality. It's how you think, how you reason, how you consider, you remember, you wonder, your imaginations. See, it's how you choose to experience things like happiness, love, sorrow, anger. It's how you make your decisions. It's how you think in your soul. In a way, and in a sense, that's what God does. God is, God is the representation of the soul. See, how he thinks is what Jesus Christ did. What did Jesus say? I've come to only do the will of the Father, the soul. The spirit only goes where the soul or where God tells him to go. You have a soul. And then your spirit. You are a spirit. You live in a body and you have a soul. The Holy Spirit is a representation of that. See, he's, he's the culmination of the three parts, and he's the most intimate level in what separates us from every other animal here on the planet. We have a spirit. And because we have a spirit, we're on the same level in the makeup and the buildup of, of our Father. And it's how we can have a personal, intimate relationship with God at this level. See, I want you guys to understand today, you were made with a purpose on purpose. You were made with a design that was clearly thought out. And, and all that's great, right? Yippee. And I can see some of y'all's faces. Oh, okay. Yay. Yeah. This is great information, but how do we translate this to how we live? See, there's a process. There's a process that God set in place based on how we were made. How we were made in his image. And, and it's completely separate from how, what the world teaches us that it ought to operate. See, the world's only able to view things on a physical level. What I can see, what I can observe, what I can spectate, then I can tell you how things are going, right? See, so the world sees things that, that are wrong or not happening. Okay, we need to change your actions. And if we can change your actions, then you can have some self-worth. If you'll change how you behave, if we can mod- if we can put you in this program, if we can run you through, and, and, and in a sense, it's where we get to a place where that's, that's what we have with prisons. We'll put you in this system, and this system will, will, will fix you, and this will turn you around, and this will make it all better because we'll restrict what you can do, and that will change who you are. And that, prisons... Prison, if you don't know, prison is not a super successful place of changing people's character. It, it's just not. It just doesn't. Not that there aren't people that have gone to prison and then changed, but they didn't change because of the system of prison. 
and we've got a lot of Christians, we've got a lot of people trying to live with this worldview mindset of if we can just get the rights, and what I'm trying to tell you is we've already got the right system. And it's the way that God intended it to be. Can you submit under God's authority and can you see the importance of living correctly based upon your confession of him being your Lord, being your God? Or are we going to continue to make excuses for the way that we live so that our faith accepts our lifestyle? We can't change, we can't change the system. We can't change the system to fit our convenience of lifestyle that we decided to live. If we do that, you'll have convenience of the lifestyle and accepting of the way that you live, but you won't have any peace, you won't have any power, you won't have any authority, you won't be able to say and do the things that you want to post about on Facebook, that you want to, that you want to talk about how great they are, because you don't understand that you were made with a purpose, on purpose, in the image of God. There's already a system. There's already a system, and we've got to submit to it. Hebrews 8, verse 7 through 10. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and I led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so, my, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, this first covenant had a problem. This first covenant had a problem. This first system had a problem. And here was the problem with that system. Us. We were the problem. The covenant didn't work. Because here's how the covenant worked. Here's the system. You submit to this system, I will bless you. If you don't submit to this system, by the laws of this covenant, I will turn my back on you. And God found that system ain't working. Not because of God's end of it, but because of our end of it. We couldn't maintain it. We couldn't keep it. It wasn't producing inside the hearts of people, not because of God's part, because of our part. So God said, I'm going to change this whole thing up. I'm going to get a new system. A new system where we turn it inside out. Instead of restricting your action, instead of trying to put you in a thing and put you in a box and put you like, we're going, we're going to turn this whole thing inside out. There's going to be, a, a, in, in, a, in, a, in another word, there's going to be a, a reformation. There's going to be a rebirthing process. See, this new process that God kick-started in us was tailor-made in this new covenant, to the very specific way that God designed us. Spirit, soul, body. Spirit, soul, body. The problems that the people were facing in the old covenant wasn't producing because they couldn't get past body, to the soul, to the spirit. And again, not, not on God's end. 
And not that there weren't some people that were successful. But predominantly, the majority of people couldn't get past how they acted to affect how they thought to affect their heart and their relationship with God. And so God said, "Mm -mm. I'm going to create a new way. Reformation means this, or reformation means this, the process of changing something for the better. And isn't that what we got in the New Covenant? A process changed for the better that changes us for the better. All based on how, we're, how we've been made in God's image. Okay. This process and its inversion, or its, its invention, excuse me, will help you get across the line and get into the life that you want to live. We were talking about the promised land today. But so many of us are kept, not by God's end anymore, but by our own, on the outside of the promise and the promised land experience because we can't get into this new system and this new covenant. We bought into salvation. We bought into salvation, but it's like we, we buy into salvation and then we also want to buy into old covenant. And God's trying to explain, no, 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 that's not going to work. We already tried that. And, and, and it didn't work on y'all's end. So here we go. This is a three-step process, and it goes to the very core of how you were made in God's image. And as you were designed once, and you are reborn, you're designed again. You're reborn again. That, that's what Nicodemus couldn't figure out. And this three-step process is how we get to where we're living the life that God wants us to live. So, so here we go. If you're keeping notes, here, here's our three-step process. The first step is your rebirth. And, and the rebirth doesn't start in the body, doesn't start in the soul, it starts in the spirit. God starts in this new covenant at the very most intimate part of who you are, and he makes you right immediately. The first step is your rebirth. John 3, verses 5 through 7 says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You can't even start the process of the reforming without a rebirth. It's an impossibility. You must be born again. In order to have part of the new covenant, you must be born again. I don't want to be just belabor this point over and over and over again. But if you've not been born again and you've not been experiencing peace, please come up today at, at the end of service and come be born again. Because this is the, what starts the whole thing. Unless you're born again and your spirit is made right with God, you can't ever hope for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, let alone your actions, your body, your flesh, what tempts you not to ever be made right. You have to be made at the most intimate level because once you're made right there, we were talking about on Wednesday, God has become our righteousness. And that righteousness was for purpose. If you get to a place where you know, okay, at the end of the day, God is for me and he's not against me. At the most intimate part of me, 
why on any other plane of who I am in the sanctification process of myself would God abandon me? He, he wouldn't. Hannah and I are married. And what that means is as though, even though I'm great pretty much all the time, Hannah's not fixing to divorce me for something little that I do whenever already she's made the vows of co- and committed to me. And Y'all get what I'm saying? He, the price was already paid for your rebirth process. God's already decided on that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God's not looking at your life go, and then looking at Christ going, I don't know what we can do. Your blood's not enough. No, God did never think that. His blood was enough to cover you and to make you right at the most intimate part of your, of your makeup and your spirit level. And it's from that rebirth process that we continue on. So that's the first thing. You're reborn. The second thing that happens is from your re- reformation and your rebirth, he begins to spread himself all over you And the Spirit of God comes inside of you and your soul begins to be saturated and transformed. Great verse here, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you sit in church. By changing the way you act on the weekends. By changing the way you... Yell at the refs at the ball games by changing the, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, from your spirit being made right, now God has an opportunity to change the way you think. Changing the way you think is the key for the changing the way you act. We have to allow God then to arrest our thoughts arrest the way we think, and confront ourselves when we do, and then change it. See, one of the other translations says, progressively change the way you think. I, I like that translation a lot because with that, again, it just reminds me is that it, it's not like that. It's a process. And, 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 the, and the key to any process is consistency and time. Consistency in time. Your, the, the, the transformation of your thinking is going to be key to consistency and time. And, and in this covenant, here's what you got to know. God's committed. Are you going to be committed? It doesn't change in that aspect. God's committed. His thoughts towards you, his actions towards you, the blood of Christ that was, that was poured out for you, God's in. Are you in? Are you in to being remade in his image? Are you in? Or are there levels where you're like, okay, I'm in here. I'm in here, but I'm not in over here. Hey, here's the deal. It, it's, a, it's a process. My prayer and my belief is, even if there are aspects of your faith that you don't fully comprehend and understand, God's committed. And it, this was a few weeks ago, but it's, it's like Pastor Ashley talking about, if you don't believe in healing, that's fine. You won't experience any. But that's fine. 
just stay committed. And, 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 and again, the thought is, over time, I think you're going to be won over to wisdom. I think you're going to be won over to, to the power of God. Uh, see, it, you have to understand that it's a process in the transformation of your thoughts. And, and as you begin to understand that, you begin to understand how the enemy tries to attack us at this pivotal part of our process. See, the enemy is a liar, right? He's a liar. He's the, the deceiver of the. He's the. He, he's the deceiver. He's a liar. He he's out to get you in the way that you think. But I I want to caution you though. He will sometimes tell the truth and use facts. He did it. He did it with Christ in the desert. He'll try to use your sin. He'll try to use your failures. He'll try to use where you missed it. Here's the deal. It's, it's, not, it's not false, but the way that he's trying to use that is deceptively. See, even when the enemy tells the truth, he's telling the truth from a position of deception. Hey, you, you did that yesterday. Yeah, but you forgot I repented of that. And I've been made right. Hey, don't you remember 15 years ago yeah, but you forgot Jesus Christ died over 2,000 years ago for that. And the enemy will try to come in, and I was, this morning I was talking with the little kids, and, and it, probably was, it probably was too much, but we were, talking about, <laughs> we were talking about the difference between how do we feel when we repent? How do you, how do you think you feel when you repent? Do you feel, do you feel bad? And not that you should feel good that you sin, but do you, do you still feel bad after you repent? Or, and then we read the story of, of, of Jesus going out and finding the 99 and bringing the one back and how all of heaven rejoices. See, God is excited when we decide to repent and come back. He's excited. There's a party. And, and Jesus even says, there is, there is more celebration in heaven for the one who repents and comes back than the 99 righteous who don't need to repent. Uh, what that tells me is God's not shocked or, or just absolutely blown away whenever I'm in need of the covenant that he set up with me. See, remember the old covenant was you do what's right, you get my blessing, you do what's wrong, I turn my back on you. The new covenant is you do what's wrong, you repent, here's blessing. You do, what's, you do what's wrong, you repent, here's my presence. You do what's wrong, here I am, here's my hand. It's the new covenant. And as we begin to let that change the way we think about the process, and as our souls begin to operate in more maturity, we come to a place where, why would I want to keep living in that place where I have to keep going to God and repenting over and over and over? Not, not, because, not because it holds us captive, but we come to a place of realizing this is just a whole lot of, a whole lot of me just keep doing the same thing. So it goes from a place of as our thoughts begin to change and we begin to mature as we begin to transform and we accept truth for what it is, we get, we get, to, the, we get to, the, to the third step and that's when we start seeing our lives changed. But it... It's like it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all with an 
unveiled face, or with a veiled face, continually seeing as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image. See, it's like when you've got something in front of you, and it's just slowly being pulled away. You start being able to see more and more clearly. The longer that we allow the process to, it's like more and we're able to see more and more. It's like when you go out hunting. And you go out real early, and you, the, 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 the sun's starting to come up over the tree line, and, and what you thought was something wasn't, and, and, and you're just, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a big old buck laying right out there about 30 yards away, and the sun, oh, it's just the bush. I, you start being able to see things more clearly as the light comes in more, and more of the glory begins to shine, and more of the thing you begin to see more clearly, and that's when we get to the last step. That's, this is when we get to what produces in our life, and it's this. That our actual body, our flesh, is enlivened and quickened through the transformation of our soul that was made right by the purchase of our spirits. Romans 8, 11 through 14. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if you live through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, and you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. See, when we come to the place where we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit, and it's a transformation process, guys. It takes time. I mean, again, I, I made a joke about it, but I, I miss it, believe it or not. As great of a guy that I am, I miss it sometimes. I'm glad Hannah's not in here because she'd be amen. But I miss it. I miss it. But I'm led by the Spirit to not stay in that place of rolling around and, oh, I'm just so terrible and, oh, I'm just so messed up and, oh, I can't believe that I went, I haven't, I haven't done something like that in, in 10 years. I haven't done something like, I can't believe that I, I've been trying to quit. I don't, I don't go through all of that nothingness of, conversa- of internal dialogue within myself because I'm being reformed. I'm being remade in his image. And I've come to a place that my value has already been determined by the price that was paid for me. My spirit's been made right. That changes how I think about what I've done. I don't want to, it's not an excuse for me to sin, but I moved to a place where that's not where I live. So now I, okay, God, Lord, I repent. God, I repent. Lord, I don't want to live like, my intent is to not live like that anymore. Help me, God, to think differently. And and the word is clear. His spirit is on the inside of us, and it will guide us into that the next time that we come to it. You are no longer under any obligation to live by your sinful desires. Without the spirit of God, you have no choice. You, You are under obligation, because that's the only thing within you that's guiding your life. But when you've been born again and you've been transformed by your mind, you're no longer under the obligation to be subjected to that kind of lifestyle. And we all know those people. 
We all know those people that we pray for, that we are in constant prayer for, that we're just praying, God, let it click in their mind. But they just are stuck in this cycle over and over. The same, it's the same things every four years of just the same. They do well for a little while, then they, then they get to backsliding, then they get back into, old, then something terrible has to happen, and then because something terrible has to happen, they hit rock bottom, and God's trying to build them back. It's just awful. Some of us in here, we've been, we know what it's like to be those people. And I'm never going back to that lifestyle. I, but it only, we only get to this place where then now out of our actions, we're now out of what we do, we start seeing the harvest come and it starts by being reborn. We allow our soul to be transformed. And then we come to a place where now my actions are arrested. And it's not an outside force having to arrest them. I don't have to be put in chains to not do that no more. I don't need somebody tying me on a leash and staking me to the ground so I don't run off. Well, my own heart says, I, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the pain. It's not worth the, the, the hurt relationships. It's not, worth, it's not worth any of that. Because that veil, that veil, there's no blinders. I can see. I can see. We can see clearly. We've been remade in his image. And it becomes our lifestyle. Philippians 3.21 He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. You don't have to wait till you die. We read that a lot and we take that only as whenever we're transfigured with Christ and the rapture happens and we've all been given our new glorious bodies. You don't have to wait for that to happen. You don't, you don't have to wait for that to happen. There's power available now for you to live that way now. See, every knee's going to bow at some point, right? But I'm just believing that you and me, we're not going to be made to. Our knees, because we've already been living with our knee bowed to the king. Y'all, right? Y'all with me? So we're not going to have to have the sword put across our back. You're going to kneel. Because one day that will be. But we've already knelt We've already been in submission. We've already given our life over to be made in his image and for the process to take place into our lives. So prayer team, you guys go ahead and come on forward. This morning, this is, this is more than just, where's your eyes? Where's your nose? Where's your ears? Okay, it's, it's more than, I, I want you guys to see, this is more than just, Oh, well, you're a three-part being and, and body, soul, and spirit. And, and it, I want you to see that this is, the, this, is, this is key for us understanding the process in which God wants to move and restore and change our lives forever, us grasping these three parts of how you were made. And the enemy don't want you knowing this. The enemy doesn't want you knowing this. Because when you don't understand how you've been made, you can't understand why something hurts, why it hurts. And you can't get it fixed. But God's ready. He's ready and he's willing. He's done all the work to make this available. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. 
You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.